Welcome to Point Me to Jesus. I am your host, Tara McClary Reeves, and boy, do I have a special guest for you today. If Jenny Owens' music is not on your playlist, I want you to pause this right now and make sure that you go to your library and download Jenny's songs because they have certainly been an encouragement to my heart uh, throughout decades of my life. I'm just so grateful for her obedience to listen to the voice of God through his word and to translate those messages that he gives to her, to us, so freely and so beautifully. Jenny Owens is the singer-songwriter of Jenny. You're going to have to help me. I mean, you have had Grammy nominations, Dove Award winners, but you have over 10 albums. You have many projects, Christmas projects. You are an author of two books, one that we are really excited to discuss on the show today called Singing in the Dark. Uh, many of our viewers and our listeners will know of one of your number one songs, uh, If You Want Me To. And, um, and Jenny, I just welcome you to the show today. Oh, thanks, Tara. It's so much fun to be with you. So thanks for having me. The last time we were together was uh, pre-pandemic. We were actually yes. together physically in Williamsburg, Virginia, before one of your concerts. We share mutual friends in Dennis and uh, Carolyn Griffith, two of my favorite people. And uh, we were blessed by their obedience to invite you to Williamsburg and bless our hearts with that concert. You are so much fun. I mean, just to sit across to at the lunch table and Harrison, our littlest, was just absolutely enraptured by your presence. And then oh, she was to, precious. to hear so. you um, play the piano so beautifully and uh, just sing your praises to the Lord Jesus just uplifted us all. We are still on cloud nine because of, of that experience. But Jenny, you were at, at three years old, you actually lost your, your vision. Um, and so your new book, Singing in the Dark, is one that uh, is not just figurative to you, but also it's, it's, a, it's a literal title, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about this latest project? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about darkness, um, on one hand, because I don't see anything, that is sort of an, an element of it. But the truth is, um, as the Apostle Paul tells us, we are all a little bit blind this side of heaven, right? None of us can see perfectly clearly. Um, and so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is what, how do we live in a world where we just can't see clearly? So whether the darkness for us is difficult, you know, a difficult season of suffering, whether it's, um, you know, maybe a, um, an illness that we're facing or, or even a disability, or maybe it's just the lack of clarity that comes with the fact that we can't just, you know, sit with God, like you and I are sitting together now and, and talk to him about the things that are ahead. But, but for all of us, there's some level of darkness that we face. And so, um, because music has the power always to bring healing and clarity and encouragement and beauty and power to our lives. I thought, what would it be like if we looked at some songs from scripture, some stories from scripture to, to think about, you know, how do we have hope in a world that feels pretty dark a lot of the time? How do we have hope in a, in a world that doesn't offer us any lasting hope? 
Um, and so that's, that's really what all the book is about. I talk a lot about uh, my own experiences of, you know, looking, looking for hope, looking for light in all the wrong places as you will. Um, and, uh, also just, I, I think though, some of that is about me being blind. I think there are a lot of stories that I share that people can probably relate to just yeah. in, in sort of looking in all kinds of different places for this light and this hope that really, uh, we learn from scripture, God can only give us. Yes. And you talk a lot in the book about, about rest. Uh, are there certain passages that you've learned to retreat to, uh, that encourage and refresh your spirit, um, especially during this time coming out of this, uh, over year long pandemic, how would you encourage our, our viewers and our listeners with that, the concept of rest? Cause I, I do feel like we're all a little bit antsy and restless right now. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think rest is, is kind of like anything else. It's something we have to practice, right? It's, it's not the same thing as laying on the couch, watching Netflix. I mean, that might be, you know, relaxing on some level, but I think rest is something we cultivate, uh, especially in our relationship with God. But I've found that yes, uh, setting aside time for rest. And I, I feel like what rest is, is it's being still it's recognizing who God is. Uh, what he's created, what he's given us, and then who we are. Mm -hmm. And um, just, you know, kind of the, the smallness of who we are, but also that we are so dearly and deeply loved by our heavenly father. So rest, I think, is a practice of, of finding time, finding space to really um, remember that, sit in that, rest in that. And so, um, yes, there are definitely some passages of that I love. One of them is um, in Philippians 4, 4, I can't say that Philippians four, four to 13, where Paul is talking from prison, which is not a restful circumstance yeah. to his friends, uh, the Philippians who are really dealing with very unrestful circumstances of, of suffering and persecution. And he's telling them, I've learned the secret of peace and contentment in, in whatever I'm facing. And essentially he says, uh, like Elizabeth Elliot would paraphrase later, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. So one of the things that I love to do is take a passage like that and sit with it and just meditate on the words of it. Um, just go slowly through them, maybe even just a verse or two, you know, and pray through those ask, okay, Lord, what do you want to show me about you in these verses? What do you want to show me about me? And, and then just laying before him, all the things that keep us from resting. I think that's a really important part of it too. And then the other component, I think that's so key in resting is, um, having connections, having community that helps us rest. So, um, as a person that's been pretty busy with, uh, school with, with seminary right now, I, um, I find that my best rest days are Sundays. And a lot of times I'll spend part of Sunday afternoons after church. Um, what I would say, what I'd call kind of resting with a friend, you know, going to the park, taking in the beauty, hearing what's going on in their life, sharing you know, the joys and trial trials and challenges of my own life with them. And, you know, sort of in that, in that exchange, I think is the beauty of, uh, God speaking life into each of us. And so in a sense, there's, there is rest to that. You do such a great job in the book bringing out, and I love the whole concept. And I do want to kind of pick your brain about how it's a, it's a very original concept that I think some of us who are students of God's word appreciate as we're studying 
but you dive so deep into those things that we may have just glossed over some of the, um, the songs that David sings and the song of, of Hannah and the song of Paul. Um, and you, uh, you study those and you dissect those and then you challenge your reader to, to write their own songs as they're reflecting on the fact, as Zephaniah says, that God uh, sings over us a beautiful love song. So tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this book, Singing in the Dark, and why those songs um, have become so important to you. Yeah, you know, one of the beautiful things that I continue to learn, and I'm sure you do too, and we all do as we study God, God's word, is that it just continues to speak to us. Uh, continues to reveal new things to us that we didn't see the last time we read yeah. these passages, right? So um, one of my favorite things uh, in seminary has been to even gain more tools of how to, to dive into God's word and how to, to take it apart, how to um, hear more deeply. I'm, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm kind of an impatient person, maybe not sometimes, maybe a lot of times. <laughs> so having these tools that help me to learn how to sit with God's word uh, have been just really tremendous for me. And so, uh, as I've, you know, lived with a lot of these scriptures, as they've spoken to my life, you know, and, and as I share the songs and stories from scripture, then I also share kind of how, how those songs have really impacted me, but as I've lived with them and, and unpacked them, I've, you know, I feel like I've learned so much and I want it to, you know, share some of those, uh, perhaps insights, maybe other people already know these things too, but, but perhaps insights and just the joys of, uh, what happens when a song is sung to God, you know? Um, and that's also the reason I wanted to write or have an opportunity for folks to write their own song at the end. And a song does, you don't have to write an actual song. If you don't want, you can just write whatever your heart's response is to what you've been learning. But the reason that I use the language of music so much in this book is because music is one of those things, even if we would call ourselves tone deaf, we generally really engage with it. You know, it, our bodies move to the beat and, you know, our word, our minds take in the, the lyrics and, you know, we, we like the singer's voice or we don't, but, but we tend to be deeply moved, at least by some music, you know, it, it maybe awakens a longing in us where it gives us hope in a difficult situation. We can't even explain why, you know, or it gives us encouragement. And so, uh, I wanted to think of these Bible songs in the same way we, we want the Bible to, uh, be to us like a great song that we just, you know, can't, uh, stop hearing and can't stop singing. Uh, and so that, that was so important to me, but also then we want to respond wholeheartedly with our, our bodies, hearts, minds, and souls. And so that's why I wanted to, uh, leave a space for folks to write down however they were responding to what we were talking about. Well, Jenny, uh, your book, uh, Singing in the Dark, released uh, just recently uh, on May the 3rd, and it's my understanding on May the 14th, you are releasing the EP, uh, which is containing the music that was inspired um, along with the book. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Um, so the EP, which EP, everybody's like, what does that mean? It means basically mini album. It means extended play. So it sounds like it should be long, but it's really short. So it's, it's a short album. It's five songs and they are songs that were inspired by uh, different uh, songs in the book. And it's also my first, I would say my first worship album. It's very, um, 
reflective. It's, it's group singing um, songs that I hope people will sing along to and meditate on. And it's called sing hope in the darkness. So we oh. changed up the title just a little bit to make it, um, to make it kind of reflect the book, but also make sure people knew that we were wanting to sing purposefully and with hope. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to, to share these songs with folks. I know picking a favorite is kind of like picking a favorite child, but uh, if you could just release one, um, is, is there one that, that you would have foremost on your playlist? Yes, there actually is. Uh, on this EP, I wrote one of my favorite songs that I've ever written, uh, and it's called Greater Still. And I wrote it with my friend, Leslie Jordan, who was in the band, uh, all sons and daughters and my friend, Tyrus Morgan, who produces most of my stuff. And it's a song about heaven. And I, um, I read a book last year that really just changed my life. I would say a book called formed for the glory of God. And it's about the spiritual disciplines of, uh, Jonathan Edwards. And, um, it's written by Kyle Strobel, but uh, what I loved about it, it's, it's, (laughs) it's too long to, to even try to put into words, except to say just the power. And we see this in in scripture all the time, but he put it so beautifully as he articulated Edward's views, just the, the idea that heaven is a world of love and that when we become believers, you know, just even through kind of a, a murky pipe, that love is coming to us. We are, we are grasping even just a taste of that right now. But the bigger heaven is in view, in our view, the more that matters to us, the more heaven means to us, uh, the more it impacts the way we live now. You know, the more hope that we have in that day when we will be with the Lord and the lamb, the more it changes everything about the way we live and love and engage with each other right now. So uh, that definitely is one of my favorite songs I've ever gotten to write. write and as you read God's word and do you keep, I mean, do, do you keep a notebook? Are, are there things that you just, uh, is there a process that you go through? I mean, do you awaken in the middle of the night with an idea and have to write it down? Um, how, how does that work for you? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I do have, uh, in the morning when I, um, when I get up, I have to get some coffee and then I usually have some time reading through the Bible right now. I'm just doing the McShane plan. So reading through, um, you know, a couple of chapters and several books in the mornings. And what I usually do is read through those and write down some notes. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I'm, I can be a little impatient. I can also be easily distracted. I'm very squirrel. So (laughs) I have to just write notes. And what I usually try to end with is what I call a song. Like what is the song of the day? And in that case, for me, it's just one line, one sentence kind of summarizing the thing that I want to take away that I've learned about the Lord or that I'm asking him to do based on what I've read, you know, or even that I've learned about my relationship to him during that reading. So, um, so yeah, I try to read the text and ask some questions of it really, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I continue to change up the process, but I always am trying to just you know, hear God speaking 
through the words on the page. So I do write down a lot and then just try to write something I can hold on to all day. And then I'll also grab verses out that I want to work on memorizing and have a ever growing list of those. And then of course I write down all my prayers and kind of keep track of where those are. So my prayer journal is very, very messy. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because in singing in the dark, you do, uh, you know, I think you do educate us on not just the importance of prayer, but even how we should pray. Can you uh, expound on, on that a little bit? Sure. Well, I think one of the things that I always encourage people not to do is to not pray polite prayers. And of course we want to be respectful to God. So I'm never saying be disrespectful, but I think we tend to treat God as we would treat other people, you know, especially if you're Southern, you know, there's a tendency, but even for all of us, there's a tendency to show up and it's kind of that, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. And then you go away. (laughs) And yeah. And we treat God like that sometimes I think. And so, uh, we cannot, we cannot get any kingdom work done. We're not going to break down any walls between God and us. If that, if that is the way we pray. So my first invitation is, is to read the Psalms and to discover that there's no such thing as a polite prayer. The Psalms, psalmists are always very honest. They lay out before God exactly what's going on. They hold nothing back. And I think that's an invitation to us to do the exact same thing, right? Um, So that's that's always key, is laying it all out before God. Uh, We see that in the story of Hannah, where she, as we know, she was Samuel's mother. But what we... um, what we think about is, you know, she has this beautiful prayer in the beginning of first Samuel. And we think that really she's asking God for a son and then he gives her a son. And that's part of the story, but really a lot of that prayer, as she tells the priest Eli is she says, I'm pouring out my bitterness and anguish and everything that's in the corners and the depths of my soul to God. So part of what she's doing is she is taking down the walls that stand between her and God and uh, inviting him to come in. Because as we hear, she walks away from that prayer time peaceful and she doesn't have a son yet. And even once she has a son and she takes him to the tabernacle to become a priest, she's still peaceful, even without any other children, even kind of returning to her uh, pre-baby circumstances. She's still peaceful. So there's something about the pouring out and asking God to come and be in the midst of our pain that I think is really important in prayer. Um, And then the other thing that I love that the psalmists do, and of course, Paul does it, is um, there are times when they speak to their own soul about the truth that they know. So sometimes prayer is reminding our, our hearts of what we know so that, you know, our, our brains know that the Lord loves us. Our brains know that Jesus is always with us, but sometimes we've got to preach that to our hearts until our hearts finally explode in praise. So we, we hear the psalmist saying that a lot, like, why are you sad? Oh, my soul. Why are you so disturbed within me? And then of course they say, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. Uh, my savior and my God, it's like, I'm going to just keep doing this until my heart catches up. So those are probably the most, uh, the, the key things I would say about prayer. And what an amazing way the Lord timed at least the research of this for you and us as well. Um, but, but during the pandemic was quarantine and you live in New York city. And I do want you to talk a little bit. I think you're in your last year of seminary, but, uh, y'all were in the news quite a bit, the intensity of your quarantine. Um, 
was that a difficult time for you or I mean Jenny I've been around you I mean and you're you're creative you're incredibly outgoing when you're around a lot of people but like most creatives I would think that you're even more comfortable when you're by yourself am I wrong was it really tough on you emotionally or were you totally content. Yes, both. I would say, I think um, as a creative, you kind of bear the weight of the world. So you feel, you know, there's a lot of empathy. So I definitely felt the sorrow and the, and the pain everyone was going through and just the uncertainty. I was never really afraid of the virus. So the fear has always been something that's a little baffling to me, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's an unknown. So I get it. So I think for a while, I really just was sort of depressed feeling the weight of that. Uh, but on the other hand, yes, I, <laughs> I was delightfully busy all the time. People were like, I'm so bored. And I was like, you know, doing writing papers and trying to write a book. And I was like, there's no time to be bored. So it actually helped me because I didn't have commute time, which I know it helped a lot of us because we didn't have commute time, but that, that was really just, just to have those hours at home was actually a tremendous blessing. Who would you say is, is your hero of the faith from God's word? Oh goodness. You highlight so many in this book. I know it's hard to choose one, but if, if there were just one, you know, that that you're relating to even right now, you know, Paul is always one. If I had to, if I could pick a male and a female, I'd say Paul would be the guy because he is so he's okay with suffering. In fact, he's, he, he even finds joy in it. Um, and I just think, especially where we are in our world that, you know, if we looked like that as believers, how would we change the world? You know, if, if that was, yeah, if that was our stance, if we loved people so well and we spoke gently, but, you know, but honestly, but we also just suffered well, I think that would be a tremendous testimony to Jesus. Um, I would also say Hannah, uh, is, is a hero. Uh, again, as we we're talking about with prayer, just because she poured out everything to God, she kind of knew that was really the only way she was going to get through. That was the only answer to her pain other than being bitter. It was either the choice was to keep it all in and be completely bitter and angry, or to just lay out everything that was going on to the Lord. And, you know, in, in doing that in giving him her pain and her life, you know, she essentially, uh, changed, changed Israel's history by the son that, that she had, who would anoint, of course, King David. Does that come to mind when you feel discouraged? It does. It definitely yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. When you were little growing up, I mean, you, you didn't know any different in terms of, um, with the ability not to see how did your parents, uh, cope with, with that diagnosis for you? And then, how did they parent to where it impacted you in such a way to be an incredible missionary, um, this side of, of heaven? Well, my, uh, so my blindness was hereditary in that, um, my, it was kind of from my father's side of the family. He is not completely blind or anything like that, but he does have, uh, some sight issues. And so they always knew that it was possible. I may not be able to see completely. And when I was three, I had a surgery that the doctor hoped would actually at least help me to maintain the vision that I had. And instead, you know, it, it took it all away, but I do think they were very prepared for that. My mom had, she said that she had talked to the Lord about that a lot, even before I was born. And so I think 
because of that preparedness, they were very intentional about saying, you know, you go out and do what other kids do. So after, after my surgery, after I had rested for a few weeks, I went back out and started riding my bike and climbing trees and, you know, just really didn't, didn't know I was any different. And that was a beautiful thing. Of course, you know, when you get to school and, and sort of deal with the reactions of kids and, and realize that you're different, then, then that does kind of change everything. But certainly my parents instilled the idea that the sky was the limit and I could go try everything. And, and my mom was really great also about just letting me know that there would be a double standard in the world. And so I needed to be exceptional and I needed to work hard because people were going to always expect that I couldn't uh, do very well or as well as they could. So that was also really wise advice. How old were you when you, when you saw Jesus? <laughs> when I saw Jesus, I was four years old when I asked him into my heart. And of course at four, you don't know about grace and faith and what all of those things mean, but I definitely believed that he was there and that he was my best friend. And I remember in middle school, uh, one of the times that that became very real to me was um, I was going through lots of bullying at school and, you know, the mean girls thing, which, which most of us blind or not go through in middle school. And I remember coming home after a really difficult day of just kids being cruel. And my mom said, you know, you know, Jenny, that Jesus is always, always your best friend, but there are going to be some days in life when it feels like he's your only friend mm -hmm. and you can trust him because he's been through the hardest things and he's done that for you. So you can tell him about all of your hardest things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a middle schooler, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, mom. But, but those words have for sure stuck with me uh, for all of these years. You know, and I think you are doing such an incredible justice to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, especially, and you are wetting the appetite of those who are not by getting us to focus not on ourselves, not on our problems, not on our circumstances, but on the holy character of God. Can you um, tell us just some ways that, that you, and just, I don't want to give away too much of, of singing in the dark, but even in the songs that you've chosen from um, those heroes and sheroes of the faith, uh, the importance of, of knowing God. Absolutely. Well, one of the things, as you're asking that, one of the things that came to mind that I think is very practical that we can all do is this is why writing down uh, your praises, you know, one of the things I love to do at the end of the day is to take some time and thank God for things and write down the things that I'm thanking him for. Because when we have difficult days, then looking back over the things that we've praised him for, or even, you know, as we write down our requests uh, for different people or for our own lives, and as we see him answer those, I think it deepens our faithfulness because it's right there on, on paper, you know? Um, so I would always encourage if, if you're like, I don't, I don't know how to dig into knowing the character of God more, or I don't know how to grow in this. That is one way is just to start having that simple practice. Even if it's five minutes at night and 10 minutes, five minutes in the morning of, um, not only, you know, praising God and, and reading some of his words, but writing, write, write down what he's done, write down what you would love for him to do and, and write down what he ends up doing. You know, um, that helps us, I think, to track God's greatness. And one of the things that we see so often in the Bible is that these are things that, that, I mean, the, the Jewish folks had a very excellent memory 
uh, ancient societies did so they could remember God's faithfulness. They remembered what he did. Uh, you know, I mean, after exile, they remembered David. They remembered uh, how, you know, David <laughs> delivered uh, the Israelites from, from Goliath. Uh, you know, with the sling, but they remembered God's faithfulness from the days of Abraham. And so I think part of it for us is we tend to, in our world, kind of have a short memory. So we have to find ways of, of lengthening that memory. Um, but I think also just one of the things that's beautiful is as we read scripture, um, as we got ask God to reveal himself to us in it, he, he does, he absolutely wants to do that. So, you know, when we're reading these, these songs, um, you know, like for instance, the story of Hannah or the story of Leah or, um, the story of, of David or Paul, we, we see these folks who, um, on their own could not have done what they did, what they did. But what we see is this just wonderful, amazing majestic God who has a plan for the story of the world. And he comes in and he does great works uh, through their lives. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things that happens is as we read these stories, we realize our stories are not totally different from theirs. I mean, we have a lot of the same longings, a lot of the same pains and sufferings. And, you know, maybe we don't, we don't have pestilence, pestilence and, uh, you know, all, all of the, um, you know, wars necessarily raging around us, but we can see lots of similarities. We have a pandemic. We've had um, all kinds of social media, you know, upheaval and unrest and, and unrest in our country and of course in the world. So we know what they were dealing with on a certain level. And um, what we can see as we look through the pages of the Bible is how God was faithful in every event to them, how he shows uh, who he is. And so I think it's, it's about reading those stories, connecting with those characters, and then seeing how God worked in their lives. And then, you know, relating that to our own lives and seeing how he works in our lives. And I pray that out of this book, Singing in the Dark, the Lord will even prompt you to, to expand and make this a Bible study. Have you even thought about how easily, um, this could be made into like a six week or eight week Bible study. Yes, I have. I oh, really want to do that. Yes. Yeah, that would be I, so much fun. So I really, I really want to facilitate it. So oh, I will be praying okay. for that, but that's so important that you were, you reminded us to remember because throughout scripture, he does tell us, remember, remember in the spiritual markers that, that, that he, he, he ordered, you know, for them to, to establish, we know the spiritual marker of, of being for and, and asking Jesus into your heart. What would you say? And I think you allude to it some in singing in the dark, but maybe another more recent spiritual marker in your life. Well, one of them uh, that I will, will definitely never forget, which I, I, I would say even just set the trajectory that I'm on now was back in 2015 and 2016, I went through this very strange season of realizing I was not in control. And it started with losing my voice. I was singing Christmas songs, which always have very high notes. And all of a sudden on the road, I couldn't sing them anymore. Uh, Went to the vocal experts and they said, oh no, you may never get your voice back. You may never sing the same way again. That was very disturbing. And as I worked on, you know, rehabbing my voice, I also began to have this huge abdominal pain. Didn't know what that was. And after I came back from a trip, uh, on the road, um, singing, uh, the doctor said, yeah, we, we should do emergency surgery. Cause we aren't sure if this is cancer or not. And it was just a very sort of unraveling 
uh, season of just uncertainty, fear, uh, asking the Lord where he was in this and really realizing um, that first of all, my work could not define me. It was very important that I let the Lord and his goodness and faithfulness define me and be my first love. And, you know, when we, when we do music and speaking and all these different things, a lot of times we're so, we get so wrapped up in them that, you know, our identity is, is that job, that work that we do. And so during that season, the Lord really challenged me on that view. But not only that, um, I just began to learn that there were many other things he was calling me to. And one of them was just deeper rest um, deeper trust in him, uh, knowing that I, I had kind of believed falsely that I was actually in control and I really wasn't. And so it was about looking to him for, uh, for life, for peace, for just the very, very next step. So that was a huge changing moment. My voice has come back. I did not have cancer, praise the Lord. So those things did turn out, but I definitely came out of that, that experience, a, a different person. It, it definitely led to uh, doing seminary, which I've always wanted to do, but, uh, yeah. definitely was, uh, an exciting turn of events and just kind of realizing, okay, my most important mission is, is to tell people about the love of Jesus and to communicate that to them in whatever way I can. So that, that kind of became my, my focus. And how he just took you deeper. Oh, that's just, did you, at the same time that you were feeling this restlessness and feeling this tension, did you continue to journal your prayers and your praises, or did you get kind of uh, stubborn and think, I'm just not going to say anything to you right now? Oh, I've definitely had those seasons too. So yes, I don't know that I had a lot to say during that time. I think it's been at, since that time that I've really been more intentional about, about writing down all the things, all the praises, yeah. all the pain. Do you go back and date the, um, the yes. direct answer? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you, you track his faithfulness to you. I do. And you're obedient to sing about those. Well, in closing, uh, Jenny Owens, I just, I just want to tell you how much I love you and for our viewers and, and listeners who this may be their first introduction to you. Um, if you could, if you could tell them, go listen to one song, uh, what would you tell them to pull up? Uh, maybe if you want me to, yeah, depending on what they're going through, that might be a song that would speak to their hearts. So if all of these trials bring me closer to you, then I will go through fire if you want me to. Did it amaze you at the critical acclaim of, I mean, I'm not talking just in the Christian world, but I mean, in the secular world, it was just, it was a universal appeal because you write with such transparency and such honesty. Was, was that just awesome to you? It, you know, I was working so much. It was, I didn't even know, you know what I mean? It's oh, one of those yeah. things you look back and you're like, oh, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and are you hear stories later? And then you realize, but I think we all, we all kind of know on some level, we really aren't in control. Yeah. Uh, even if we don't believe in God, we know that there's something that is, that is over, you know, that's over us, that's overpowering us that, yeah. that, and, and we can't make things go the way that we want. And so, you know, as a Christian, as Christians, our desire to surrender, 
Um, but just even when with unbelievers, I think just there's a, we know that there's just something more that we need. And so I think people could relate to the message in that song because of that. Well, viewers, audience, you will definitely be able to relate to the messages, not only in the book, Singing in the Dark, but uh, by the time this interview drops, you will have the blessing, the double blessing of being able to order the book and the soundtrack. I would say, would you just call it a soundtrack, Jimmy? Sure. Yes. Soundtrack <laughs> is great. Soundtrack that accompanies the book, Singing in the Dark. I cannot tell you honestly, how much, uh, you know, I had fallen in love with this girl over the years. Uh, and I, I appreciate your witness, Jenny, not only in the Christian community, but, you know, just all across all um, just realms of, of relationships. You know, you have been blessed to, to headline Lilith Fair. You know, I mean, the Lord has just, he has expanded your boundaries in such a way because of your obedience and your unashamed proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that, that Paul is one of your heroes of the faith because, um, mm -hmm. you know, he was never ashamed of, of who he was in Christ Jesus and nor are you. And you always desire to go deeper. And that's such an encouragement to uh, another Christian sister who um, just appreciates your faithfulness so much. So viewers, I, I challenge you to, to, this would be a good steward of your money is to order uh, Singing in the Dark and then the soundtrack Singing in the Dark too, and to uh, investigate the life of Jenny Owens, who the Lord so mightily has his hand upon and that you will pray for her, pray for his favor to continue to shine upon her and that her boundaries will continually to be expanded and that she will be disciplined to write this Bible study. So I'll be able to facilitate because I've got a lot of, a lot of girls in my neighborhood that I know will be blessed by this. So Jenny, thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you, Tara. And thank you for all that you do for the kingdom. 